outlining the New York Giants' multi-step plan to improve the roster, what steps do I have, and what can they do? I'm going to tell you coming up on today's Locked on Giants episode. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina. Happy Friday to everybody. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen of the day, or if you are watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And uh, I called an audible today for this show. Um, Originally, I was going to wait until I had the opportunity to speak with Emery Hunt. That is still on the plan. I am going to speak with Emery Hunt a little later today. But uh, I'm going to run that show um, for you on Monday. So uh, Monday is everybody's going to be heading out to Indianapolis for the start of the Combine. So I'll just move that show to Monday. You'll still get the full effect. It'll still be a timely show. And I think you'll enjoy that. Emery's always been fantastic. Uh, he's a big wig now. He's over on CBS Sports. And uh, he's going to take the time to chat with, uh, uh, with me about the Combine, about the draft, and about the Giants, of course, to see what they need to do. And uh, speaking of what the Giants need to do on today's show, I am going to uh, talk about my plan on how the Giants can fix their roster. Now, it's not an all-inclusive plan, meaning that there are steps that I purposely left out, but it's kind of like phase one, if you will, of what the Giants can do right now to kind of set themselves up for uh, success, hopefully in 2022. So we'll talk about the multiple steps there. Before I do that, um, just a quick update uh, for my YouTube folks. I told you guys and gals that when I hit 2,500 subscribers on YouTube, I would tell you what the uh, the next, I guess, motivational prize if or, or motivational milestone would be. Um, as I record this, folks, I am at 2,496 subscribers on YouTube. So I'm four shy of being able to unveil what the promo is. And the promo, by the way, is going to be for you guys. It's not something I'm going to get from Locked On. It's going to be something I'm going to give to you guys at random. So help me get to 2,500 and beyond. Um, it just... If you're on YouTube, just hit that subscribe button, smash that little bell, like the channel, uh, help me grow my subscriber base so that uh, I can unveil that. Hopefully I'll be able to unveil that to you on Monday when I talk to Emery and uh, we'll just keep this train going. So I appreciate those of you who have subscribed and liked the channel and those of you who have, have not done it yet and but plan to, I appreciate you as well, as well as of course my audio listeners. Always great to have you guys and gals as well. So anyway, let's get into the plan. All right. Now, um, a lot of these steps that I'm going to reveal, you're probably going to say, no, duh. Yeah, they have to do this. They have to do that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go a little deeper into each step here and just kind of give you the hows and the whys and all that stuff. So first up on the docket, is to clear uh, salary cap space. And, you know, not a surprise here. I mean, I'm not telling you guys and gals something that 
you don't already know when it comes to the Giants. But if you need numbers, and I want to stress this, folks, that starting um, in the next few weeks, well, actually starting now, the salary cap space is going to be fluid. So I know a lot of you are going to probably ask me on a regular basis, how much space do the Giants have? What do they need? Blah, blah, blah. It's going to be fluid. So, um, you know, I'll give you what the update as I as I get it. Um, but just keep in mind that the update could change from the time you hear me say it here on the podcast to the, you know, to the current, the present time. So anyway, the Giants, according to Over the Cap, are currently $24.779 million in the red in effective cap space. All right. Now, what is effective cap space? It represents the maximum cap space a team will have when it signs 51 players. Because as you guys and gals know, when the new league year starts, which I believe this year it starts on, I want to say March 16th, that's when free agency starts. When the new league year starts, all the teams have to be under the cap and they have to be in compliance with the top 51 rule, which simply means that even though you're going to see teams sign um, up to 90 players in the offseason, their training camp roster, not all 90 players count against the salary cap. Only the top 51 count against it. That's why it's called the top 51 rule. So the total cap liability of those top 51 highest cap hits has to be under the cap. Right now, the Giants are over. All right, the Giants have um, 55 players under contract, according to Over the Cap, and they are over by 24.779 million. So they've got some work to do. And I'm going to talk about that in just a bit, what they can do. Now, some of you are like, okay, well, what about how Over the Cap mentions the Giants have 12.204 million um, of cap space? Actually, that's 12.2 for a million in the red the Giants are in the red um, and and what that means right now that uh, if you were to take everybody together um, the Giants they need to cut they basically need to cut and make room for uh, for guys and that they're going to sign especially for their draft class and and whatnot and um, just looking ahead let me just get you the draft number because I know that number came out so the rookie pool for the Giants, who currently have the fifth overall pick, is twenty million point twenty point three three million. All right. So they have, according to this, uh, according to what I'm looking at, shows they have eleven picks, but on over the cap. But I don't think that's correct. I think they actually have nine picks. Um, the Giants are going to need of that twenty point three three million. They're going to need about twelve point. 575 in functional cap space which means for every player that the Giants sign every rookie they sign that's going to knock somebody out at the top 51 so there's a formula that uh, over the cap uses and that formula is um, rookie pool minus the the product of 705,000 times the number of picks so it's kind of hard to explain it without putting it on a whiteboard but yeah, over the cap has the Giants down for uh, 11 draft picks. Right now, I believe it's just nine that they have. So um, 
Matter of fact, I know it's nine because they have them with an extra seventh round pick. So that's got to change. Um, so that's one reason why the Giants, of course, have to clear some cap space. Now let's talk about how they're going to do it. Now, a, f a couple weeks ago, actually at the end of January, I put a, um, a spreadsheet up on Giants Country, which I'll link to again in the show notes. But I also want to talk about a couple things that I didn't mention in that um, article. And that is a couple of trades. Now, the Giants coming off of a 4-13 and 13 season do have a couple guys that if they look to move, they might be able to get some additional draft picks for. All right. Obviously, the first one is Saquon Barkley. Now, I have said before that, you know, if the Giants trade him, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Saquon's a great player. Saquon is a good representative of this team. I do believe there would be a place for him in the offense if they retain him. But I also believe that it's set with a salary cap hit of a little over $7.1 million, there's just not enough room to keep him. I think he's a luxury this team can't afford to carry. All right, so if you can trade Saquon Barkley and get that $7.1 million off your books, which, by the way, that money is now guaranteed. All right, so if, um, God forbid, the Giants keep Saquon and he gets hurt, that money is guaranteed. There's no rebate. There's no nothing. So the only way the Giants can get that money off their books is to trade him. So, uh, so yeah, they can, you know, can they find a spot for him in the offense? Absolutely. But if they could trade him and get, I don't know, like a third round pick and then maybe a conditional pick somewhere along the line that they can ultimately turn those guys into starters or key depth players, I think you got to do it if you're the Giants. Now, another guy who I didn't talk about as a potential trade uh, trade target, if you will, is cornerback James Bradbury. Now, James Bradbury initially had as a cut, but you know what? Upon further review, James Bradbury is still very much a good cornerback, all right? Now, he didn't have the best year last year for the Giants, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't anything close to the, all, to the uh, Pro Bowl season he had in 2020, but it wasn't horrible. So I keep looking at potentially moving uh, James Bradbury to the Kansas City Chiefs, where they have some weaknesses in their defensive secondary. They're going to be facing some really good wide receivers on their schedule in 2023. So if you're the Giants and you can swing a trade with Kansas City, for example, and you can get yourself maybe a third round pick and maybe, a, again, a conditional pick based on how much he plays and all that stuff. Why would you not want to do that? I mean, um, it, it just makes too much sense. Joe Shane mentioned um, something about uh, getting more at bats, if you will, in, in the uh, draft, because he knows, he knows that the place to get uh, the way to build up the Giants roster is going to be through the draft. And the only way you're going to do that is if you get picks, all right? Free agency is not going to help this team. And not that this team has the money to do it. So they've got to get as many picks as they can and especially have room. So if they want to move up in the draft, if they want to pick up more picks for next year, you know, all that good stuff. So I think we should keep an eye on those two players. Now, I'm not saying that the Giants will be successful in trading both. 
I think in the case of Bradbury, because his number is so high, there is a possibility that the Giants just might cut him straight out, and teams might be aware of that. It's possible. But uh, you know what? If I'm the Giants, I maybe even look to lower that number if I can, because Bradbury does have a voidable year. So if you convert some of that base salary that he has owed to him into a, uh, a signing bonus, it gets dumped into next year's cap, which um, is a voidable year in Bradbury's contract. And plus, next year's cap is going to be a lot healthier because the TV money is going to kick in. So anyway, step number one, obviously clear salary cap. And those are a couple things that I wanted to mention. All right. Step number two, the Giants have 22 unrestricted free agents. If I'm them, I'm not signing very many of those guys, if any at all. And I'm certainly not signing a lot of those guys that I do might, that I might want to retain to big money deals. All right. Now, we have uh, Billy Price, Keon Cross, and Nate Abner, Lorenzo Carter, Eli Penny, Will Hernandez, Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton, Bernardrick, McKinney, Jalen Smith, Reggie Raglan, Matt Skiro, Casey Kreider, Corey Cunningham, Nate Solder, Mike Lennon, Jabril Peppers, Evan Ingram, Levine Toilolo, CJ Bohr, Dante Pettis, and John Ross III. All right, so those are the, the uh, names that are unrestricted. And I'm not even touching restricted or ERFAs, uh, exclusive right free agents. Of the unrestricted free agents, um, the only ones I would consider bringing back on a modest deal would include um, Johnson, Austin Johnson, for that defensive line. Although uh, this year's draft class is pretty deep in defensive in the defensive line department. Um, I would maybe look to bring back Eli Penny. I don't think Eli Penny is going to cost them a lot. Um, Evan Ingram, I might bring him back if I could get him for a, uh, a small amount, you know, not, not a big, you know, contract. If Evan Ingram's willing to take a prove a deal or a two year type of uh, deal that I would consider, um, and I know a lot of you are saying, well, why would you want Evan Ingram back after how bad he's been? Because the tight end draft class really isn't as good as you think it is. So you have to kind of ask yourself, is there somebody who's better than Evan Ingram um, to, to, to take his place? And I'm not sure that there is in this draft class. So I would not totally be against him coming back. Um, and also, like I have said many times before, the Giants – coaching staffs have not used Evan Ingram to the best of his ability. So I'd, I'd want to see. I, I would, you know, again, not a huge deal, a proven deal, but I'd be curious to see what he brings to the table. Now, the other guy that a lot of people are going to ask about is Lorenzo Carter. And, you know, I kind of go back and forth when it comes to Lorenzo Carter. I'm There are days when I say, okay, you know what? He started to come on, so yes. But you know what? Then I look at the draft class and this class is loaded in defensive uh, pass rushers. So if I could get a guy who's um, going to be, who's going to cost me a little less and who's going to be more consistent, more productive and he have healthier legs, I might be inclined to let Lorenzo Carter go. So just my take on that one. Casey Kreider is another guy, the long snapper. You know, would I bring him back if he's willing to take a one-year veteran minimum deal? Yes. 
but you know long snappers i think are a dime a dozen so i i you know i wouldn't be adverse if he walked away uh cory cunningham was another guy that i thought okay maybe you bring him back to compete but again you bring him back on a one-year um minimum benefit deal because you want to keep the dead money hit low so th there are guys i think you would resign but a lot of them you just let go you let them walk away you're probably not going to get a whole lot in terms of um you know comp picks in 2023 but uh you know i i think you've got to start from scratch and you've got to kind of weigh the pros and cons by looking at what's available in the draft class is the class at that position strong or is it weak and if it's weak then maybe you think you look to bring the guy back if not then you let him go so that's kind of the thinking behind uh step two in my plan now what else do i have on my list of things to do well i've got a few other things that I'm going to tell you about, and I'm going to go into the reasons why that is coming up next. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants episode. But first, Bill Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and without the sugar. Most Bill Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, making them the healthy choice when you are looking for a snack that's filling and nutritious. And Bill Bars varieties are available in nut and nut-free. They have nine regular flavors as well as a rotation of limited-time offerings. So you want to check out their website, BillBar.com, to see what they have. And by the way, when you're on that website, make sure you use our special promo code 50 uh, for 15% off that code is locked 15 you'll get 15% off your first order at builtbar.com again that's builtbar.com and that promo code is locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15% off your first order all right giant fans welcome back to the locked on giants podcast i am patricia trainer and i'm outlining for you my multi-step plan to uh for, for the giants to have a successful off season now this is not an all-inclusive plan and i'll explain why when i get to the end of it why it's not all-inclusive because i'm missing a couple of steps and i left them out on purpose so i will get to that i promise and uh, again just a reminder on uh our next show we're going to have emery hunt he's going to join me emery's now with cbs sports continues to do his um football playbook uh guy's amazing so i am excited it's going to be the first time in a while that i've had emery on the show so i hope you will check that out that show will probably run monday although i might release it a little bit early i mean maybe if i'm if i have it ready to go i might have it out for you on sunday just to kind of get it started but anyway let's get back to the off-season plan for the giants my proposed off-season plan and uh step number three we're up to step number three and this is an obvious one. Sign veteran offensive linemen. Now, I want to emphasize plural here. Veteran offensive linemen, as in more than one. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, but Pat, you just said before, you don't want to use free agency to build up the Giants. You want to use the draft. Absolutely. But look at the giants offensive line depth it is bare ladies and gentlemen 
really bare. And the Giants right now, as I mentioned, have nine draft picks. They have um, a few of the, their unrestricted free agents who are off, who are offensive linemen. And uh, you know what? As much as you would probably want to see them draft mostly offensive linemen, it's not going to happen. They just can't. They cannot afford to do all offensive linemen. There's no guarantee that they'll do offensive line in the first round. And I know that sounds sacrilegious here, but there's no guarantee of that happening. It depends on how the board falls. So that being said, the method behind my madness with signing veteran offensive linemen is this. Right now, Andrew Thomas is the only lock that we know is coming back. All right. Um, we don't know if Nick Gates is going to be ready. We don't know if Shane Lemieux is going to be ready. Will Hernandez, I don't see coming back. I do not see um, Nate Solder coming back. He's already had his contract voided, so he's not going to be back. Could the Giants potentially re-sign Billy Price? I could see that, but I don't know that I would sign him to be the starter. So what I would like to see the Giants do is sign a veteran interior offensive lineman who can play all three positions, and now you can kind of figure out where he's going to go based on whether you're going to have Gates back, whether you're going to have Lemieux back, whether you're going to have a draft pick in there. Because look, you are not going to start four rookies on that offensive line. You're asking for trouble if you do that. So you have to have a mix of veteran and rookies on that offensive line. And ideally, what I would like to see is I'd like to see um, the right tackle be a high draft pick. Now, whether or not the Giants agree, that remains to be seen. The interior, which is where the Giants had a lot of problems, I'd like to see more of a mix of veterans in there. Would I be adverse to a uh, to a young player in, in the interior? No, I wouldn't. But um, I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of veteran experience because, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to see another scenario where the Giants just can't pick up a stunt or a twist. I mean, I saw enough of that last year, and it was frustrating. And uh, I'd like to think that if they get guys in there who are veterans, who are have been exposed to that and who are mentally, you know, sharp with their, their football acumen, that that will not be a problem. So what I would also like to see the Giants do is avoid what they did last year. Now, what they did last year is they were going to roll with all youth on that offensive line and their safety net was all veterans. And the problem with that strategy is that all those veterans that they had were signed to like one-year deals. So there was no young talent in the pipeline. I want to see this regime of Joe Shane and Brian Dable when they go through the draft and, and free agency. I want to see a mix. I want to see a mix on the starting offensive line. I want to see a mix on the uh, backup ranks, all right? I don't want to see all veterans uh, in, in the backup ranks. That's that's where, you know, you had the problems with guys retiring and stuff like that. Plus, you just, you, you didn't have anybody in the pipeline. An offensive line is a position, folks, that you have to constantly have talent in the pipeline to develop. Because if you don't, you're going to find the cupboard bare. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Right now, the cupboard is bare. Now, I mentioned Billy Price and how I wouldn't mind him resigning. I could uh, probably live 
with the Giants resigning Corey Cunningham, who's an offensive tackle. All right now, does that mean Corey Cunningham makes my 53-man roster? Probably not. Probably not. But in terms of having him compete for a spot, I'd have no problem with that because look, right now the Giants have no depth at offensive tackle that's experienced. They have very little depth at the interior spots. They need guys and not just from the draft. So that's going to be, you know, the big project. And, you know, the offensive line, I know we're going to, you know, we, we don't want to hear this, but I suspect it's going to take the Giants a couple of years to really get that, that line up and running the way they need to. And I say that knowing that teams have turned around their offensive line in, in, a, in one season. I know the Chiefs did it. Um, I think some other teams have done it as well. But those teams had salary cap space. And they didn't have as many needs as the Giants. The Giants are going to obviously need money for a quality backup quarterback. They're probably going to want to add a receiver, um, a, a, another cornerback at some point. And like I said, um, getting the offensive line in place. So there's going to be other spots the Giants are going to need to address. They can't devote all their resources to that offensive line. So that's a big step, for, in my opinion. All right, next up on my list of steps for the Giants to take this offseason. Decline the fifth-year option of Daniel Jones's contract and Dexter Lawrence's contract. Now, folks, this has nothing to do with the salary cap per se because if the Giants were to pick up the fifth-year options, they wouldn't hit the cap until 2023 when the cap number is going to be a little healthier. Why I'm I'm recommending that the Giants decline these options is because unlike in the previous CBA, when uh, the option year became fully guaranteed on the first day of the league year in the fifth contract year. So in other words, um, if we were still under the old CB CBA, if the Giants exercised Daniel Jones's fifth year option, it wouldn't become fully guaranteed until the fifth year of 2023. Now, if they pick it up under the current CBA, it's guaranteed right away. So it's more of a protection thing for players. So I would not do it for Daniel Jones or Dexter Lawrence. And here's why. Let's start with Jones. Jones's fifth-year option would cost them $21.375 million, according to Over the Cap. That is a really big number to guarantee for a guy that, so far in his NFL career, not only has yet to take that step forward that you want to see him take as far as processing what he's seeing quickly, but stay on the field for a full season. I'm not taking that risk if I'm the Giants. All right. Now, even if you were to say, well, could they pick it up and could they, you know, negotiate a new deal for him and get that number lower? Technically, yes, they could negotiate a new deal. But once that money becomes guaranteed, that $21.375 million, if they were to negotiate a new deal for Daniel, they'd have to make sure that the first in the first year of that new deal, he is assured $21.375 million in cash, whether that comes from a signing bonus, whether that, you know, a combination of the signing bonus and the base salary, however it's going to work. So to me, it's just not, there's no cost advantage 
of picking up Daniel Jones's fifth year option. And I wouldn't do it. You know, let Daniel um, settle in with the new offense. Let's see how he does. Let's see, again, if the neck is okay. That's another factor. You know, the neck should be fine, but we won't know for sure where he's at with that neck until probably we get a little closer to training camp. So there's no way I see the Giants picking up that option for so many reasons. And it's nothing personal against Daniel, but there's just a lot of unknowns right now that make it a risk to pick that up. Now, what about Dexter Lawrence, who was the 17th overall pick in the 2019 draft? Dexter would cost the Giants, uh, I believe, a little over $10 million, um, which is not too bad. So that being said, Dexter's a pretty good player, but he hasn't quite taken the step that I think everybody was hoping he would take. In other words, he's a good run stuffer, but the pass rush just hasn't come yet. He's just not there. You know, think think in terms of almost like a, a Leonard Williams, you know, a guy who can stop the run and rush the passer. Dexter Lawrence isn't quite there. So with this draft class being rich in defensive linemen, I'm not sure I pick up Dexter Lawrence's fifth year option either. You know, I let him play it out. If he has a great year, then I re-sign him. And I look to re-sign him to a lower contract number, you know, a lower first-year number, as they do with all, all the contracts. They try and get that number down in the first year of the deal to make it more cap-friendly. So that's what I'm doing with the two decisions that I have to make on the, uh, the fifth-year options of my first-round draft picks. All right? So that being said, I have one more step that uh, I want to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about the steps that I didn't include. So that is coming up, ladies and gentlemen, right after this. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's podcast. But first, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline.net is also the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news, whether it's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, or your favorite Vegas games. So head on over to their website today, betonline.net, and learn everything you need to know about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena. I am going over my multi-step off-season plan And I've got one more step that I'm going to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about the step that I didn't include and why I didn't include it. The final step in my plan, sign a solid veteran quarterback to compete. That's the key word there with Daniel Jones. Not back him up, compete. Now, I know John Mara said he said that he would be surprised if Daniel Jones wasn't a starter. I know Joe Shane and Brian Dable both pledged uh, their support of Daniel Jones and think that they can move forward with him. But I'm sorry, folks. All right. This is a team that is coming off a three and 13. uh, I'm sorry, a four and 13 season last year, which means not very many people played good enough to where they should be assured of having their job, you know, a starting job. That includes the quarterback. Right now, again, I know Daniel Jones was got hurt and there were times when he flashed, but he didn't flash enough. So for me, 
you bring in a veteran quarterback who you signed to a two-year deal, all right, to help with the cap hit and for another reason, which I'll tell you in a minute. And you say, okay, Daniel, we're starting everything from scratch with a new system, new everything. You and quarterback X are going to compete for the starting job. And if quarterback X beats you out, then say la vie. That's just the way the, the cookie crumbles. So what does that mean then? All right. Well, chances are Daniel Jones will win the competition because Daniel's pretty driven. You know, he he doesn't need that little tap in the butt to study or, or you know, do what needs to be done, the little stuff. He's already doing that stuff right now. But competition never hurt anybody. And the true competition comes on the playing field. So if you're the Giants, and especially this regime has no, um, if you will, quote unquote, loyalty to Jones because he, he wasn't their draft pick. You just say, look, we're bringing in, whether it be a Mitch Trubisky or whether it be uh, a Marcus Mariota or, you know, whoever the quarter might, quarterback might be. We're bringing this guy in. He's going to compete. And if he beats you out, he beats you out. All right. Better to find out early on because now, you know, especially since you haven't picked up Daniel Jones's fifth year option, if you followed my step from the previous uh, segment that I mentioned, you can move on from him. So if you've signed your backup quarterback to a two year deal, all right, that guy can not only play this year, but next year, if you're in a position to where you need a long term answer at quarterback, that guy can help keep the seat warm for you until you get your next quote-unquote franchise quarterback, right? So to me, it just makes too much sense. You cannot go in and say, Daniel, you're our starter regardless. You've got to let him earn it. And look, if he's like the way I think he is, he'll say fine. He'll embrace it and he'll compete his butt off to, to show that he is indeed worthy to start as this, team, as this team's quarterback. So, you know, now, if, if he does, and God forbid he gets hurt again, if you have a solid backup quarterback, which, by the way, I know is going to cost you some money, but look, you can't cut corners on that. They learned that the hard way last year. So you have this backup quarterback who has a, you know, a decent record who's who, of accomplishment and whatnot. You want to be in a position where if he, the backup quarterback needs to step in, you are not going to lose um you're not going to have a drop off in, in the performance, which is what the Giants had last year when they had to go from Daniel Jones to Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm. So that's why I'm saying you want to get a backup quarterback who's good enough to compete with Jones, not just somebody who can step in and take a snap or two or be a gaming manager. Someone who is going to be able to keep up the level of play you need him to keep up if something happens. All right, now, that's the extent of my plan, but there's one thing that I left off, and I left this off on purpose. And it's a, it's actually a step that I think a lot of people um, might be surprised about. I did not mention in my, in my off-season plan about trading down in the draft. All right, now, for the record, would I be in favor of trading down if the circumstances were right? Absolutely, for many reasons, which I'll tell you about in a second. But here's uh, why I didn't include it. 
Right now, we don't know how the board is going to fall. We don't know how free agency is going to unfold. And I think right now it's just too early to say the Giants have to trade down from spot number five or they have to trade down from spot number seven. All right, so let's take spot number five, for a, for example. The Panthers pick after the Giants at number six. Let's say the Panthers don't get a quarterback this year, all right? Now there's the possibility in the draft that they might be looking at a quarterback. Well, so too might be Washington. So too might be uh, Denver. Um, so those are teams that pick, I think, uh, Denver is nine, if I'm not mistaken. Washington, I want to say, is, is, uh, is he, are they 11? They're a little lower than that. I, I don't remember exactly where Washington is. But the point being is if one of those teams wants to come up because there is a quarterback in this class that they absolutely have to have, they're going to want to get ahead of Carolina and not run the risk of Carolina taking their guy out from under their nose. That's where it makes sense to make a trade down. Because the Giants, you know, they, they, they still have that seventh round pick and they can still get a good player at number seven, plus potentially pick up additional assets, not just this year, but in 2023, when if they need to get their own quarterback, now they have some additional bargaining chips to move up if they need to. All right. Now, the other reason why this makes sense if you're to trade up or trade down, excuse me, is from a cap perspective. All right. The Giants, as I mentioned, uh, they're going to need about 20 million or so, of which I think 12 point something million is the functional cap space to sign their draft class. If they trade down with a team, that number is going to go down and it's going to help their cap. So I could potentially see them looking to now that's that doesn't mean that they will succeed because the deal has to be good, but it does make sense. Now, why wouldn't they trade down, you ask? Well, let's say, for example, one of the two stud pass rushers falls to them at number five. You really think they should trade down? I don't, especially after what we saw last year when they passed on Micah Parsons, traded down and got Kadarius Toney. All right. They had an opportunity to get a pass rusher and they traded down for a receiver. All right. Uh, I'm still trying to kind of figure that one out because I had Kadarius Tony last year. I think I had him in the second round. But anyway, um, you have to see who's on the board. And it's just too early to say the Giants absolutely have to trade down in this instance because if they don't, then they're going to end up screwing themselves. I think if everything falls into place the way I anticipate it will, Trading down does make sense, and I could see the Giants doing it. But right now, if you're asking me, okay, submit your plan tomorrow to Joe Shane as to what they need to do, I'm not including trade down in the draft uh, just yet. I am submitting a plan that's version 1.0, and I'll say part two to be determined or to come because you want to see, like I said, how free agency unwinds. You want to see how your draft board takes shape. And these are all variables right now that I don't think the Giants even know uh, the answers to. So that's why I did not have trade down in the draft on the uh, on my list of of uh, steps for the Giants to take. So anyway, that's my plan, folks. Tell me what you thought. 
you can leave a comment. You can drop me an email, uh, Locked on Giants podcast. If you're listening on the uh, audio platforms, drop me a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, I do look at the comments. Um, so let me know what you think and, or if there was a step I missed or whatnot. Love to hear from you. And uh, that will do it for us for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Now remember, next show we're doing, which I'll probably release early on Sunday, just so you can get it. Um, matter of fact, I might even premiere it uh, on YouTube, and I might even jump in and watch the premiere with you guys and gals. So uh, I'll post a note on YouTube uh, in the community board if I decide to do that, and we can kind of watch it together. Um, so that'll be the plan for Sunday, Sunday show for Monday. And then Tuesday, of course, is Twitter Tuesday. And also, as you guys and gals know, next week is the NFL Combine. So I should have content from the Combine for you as well. There'll be plenty to talk about, I'm sure. So a lot's going down next week. You will not want to miss an episode of the Locked on Giants podcast, hopefully. Um, until then, everybody, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next week.